Hey, I want to talk to you guys this morning about something uh, that is really is on my heart a lot. Uh, I have the opportunity, I've, I've served in full-time ministry and, and I've done a lot of things, but um, we moved back home, my wife and I moved back to Birmingham uh, about s- almost 10 years ago to, um, to take care of sick family. And so when we did, we left uh, our dream job and we left where we had been uh, to come back and, and, and move here. And so I work for a company that we install audiovisual and, and I have a chance to work with musicians uh, you know, in a lot of places, we, do, we, we install things in clubs. We, uh, I have a chance to, to work with musicians from all walks of life in and around Birmingham and places. And when, when they find out my background and they find out, you know, that, that I'm into church music mostly is, is where I, I, um, I, I kind of cut my teeth, they, uh, they have a lot of questions. And so, and usually the first word out of their mouth is, here's why I don't go to church. And it usually starts with that. Um, I used to go to church, but. Uh, I used to do these things, but. And uh, any list, when you read list that you looked up, I, I, just for fun, for this, I, I typed in why people don't go to church uh, into in Google. And there were all kind of lists, and every one of them in the top half of the list starts with the fact, you guys can probably quote this, the church is full of hypocrites. The church has too many hypocrites. I don't go to church because they got a bunch of hypocrites. Now, they go to clubs that's full of hypocrites. They go on a lot, but, but that's beside the point. Um, and the truth of the matter is this. They're right. The church is full of people that are not authentic. Some of you, even some of you today, I, I've, I've heard some of you guys say to, you know, uh, in, in private or, you know, in conversation, you, you tell people or, or, or maybe you've told me or you told somebody, you've made the comment there are days that I really don't want to go to church because I just can't fake it today. Anybody, you don't have to raise your hand, but anybody ever said that? You know, I, I really don't feel like going to church because I just can't, I can't, I can't fake a smile today. I can't go in and, and, and pretend like everything's okay because it's not. I have really good news for you this morning. You don't have to fake it when it comes to church. God... The world, we're looking for authenticity. In a world of fake news, in a world where, where people go online and they create, uh, they, they create different accounts so they can be anything they want, whoever they want, however they want, where people can make up all these other things, people are looking for things that are authentic. And so what I want to talk to you for just a few minutes today is about being authentic. I have the definition up here of authentic. Um, it's an adjective of undisputed origin, genuine. One of my favorite movies in the world, and this, this is, some of you guys may laugh, and I, I really don't care because I love this movie, uh, is A Knight's Tale. Um, my, it, was, it was on again. It comes on TV all the time, and every time it does, I end up stopping and watching it. And there are parts of this, I, I'm going I'm I'm to be authentic, and I'm going to confess to you guys. There's a, there's a scene in this where um, if you've ever, anybody, anybody not seen Knight's Tale, you have no clue what I'm talking about? Okay, I, I pity you. You need to go see this movie. Um, William Thatcher is a young boy. He was raised a peasant, and his father told him, you know, his, his, he said he wanted to be a knight one day, and his dad said, you can change your stars. Well, you know, of course, you know, in, in this time period, you couldn't do that. Uh, the only way to be a knight was to be of noble origin. So anyway, he goes through, and he ends up, he ends up becoming a knight under a false name. Uh, he goes against Lord Adamar, who is... Um, uh, he, he's, he's the, the head knight who does, you know, he, he's, he's the champion. And so he goes against him. Adamar finds out he's fake. Adamar uh, uh, has, him, has him thrown in prison 
for, be, for faking being a knight. Well, earlier in the movie, we, and I'm just giving you a quick snap. This is a great movie, though. Um, William uh, showed kindness to Prince Edward, who was jousting under a false name. And so Prince Edward owes him a favor. So, so there's a thing where, where there's a scene where William is in the stockade, and, and, and he's sitting there, and he's locked in the stockade. People are throwing rotten fruit at him, and they're saying things. And Prince Edward comes up, and he stands, and he looks at him, and he says, boy, we're, we're an unlikely pair, aren't we? And he turns around, and he begins to tell the people. He said, let it be known that my own personal people have researched, and they have found that William Thatcher belongs to an ancient line. And as my, he is a knight of noble origin, and as, as my position as Prince Edward, my word is beyond contestation. Now, about this time, I start crying like a baby because I'm just like, I'm like, yes! Because I have to tell you, I feel at that moment that, you know what, that's what Jesus did. You see, I'm, I'm, I'm scum. I'm fake. There, there are things, you know, that I, I make mistakes every day. I drop the ball. I say things I shouldn't. Uh, I find myself on a construction site. I have to fuss at people. I have to listen to people yell. I have to listen to people do these things. And, and, and I come home at the end of the day, and I'm thinking, man, was I, was I Jesus in a Jeff suit today? Did, did, did I do everything I needed to do? And, and I beat myself up. And, and, and when I see this scene, all of a sudden, I see Jesus standing before God. Because the Bible says this happens. That Jesus says that, you know, they're covered under my blood, that he is my advocate in, in heaven's court. And he says, because of this, as my word is beyond contestation. So, so what I want to tell you this morning is being authentic has nothing to do with how many mistakes that you make in a week or a day or an hour or a minute in some cases. If it's a really bad day. Being authentic is of undisputed origin. It's being genuine. The church over the years has become a place where, where we, we fake it. We've become a place where we have all the answers and none of the problems. Anybody ever felt that way when you go to church? You go to church and, and I, I have to have the answer. Early in my ministry, um, I, I, I first became a youth pastor when I was 20 years old. And uh, I, I had kids in my youth group that were like two years younger than me. I mean, it's just, you know, uh, and somehow they said, hey, you're going to be a youth pastor. Uh, I'd been called into ministry, and so I, I, I was learning on the job. And um, I made a lot of mistakes because when I was young and when I was starting, I felt like I had to have all the answers. And people came to me. I'll never forget, Larry, doing this. Uh, I, had a, I, I, I remember giving parenting advice to people about their 17-year-old son, and I'm 20 years old. <laughs> I'm sure you never did that. But I, you know, I, I'm like, and, and looking back, I'm like, you're an idiot. <laughs> what, do you, what do you know about raising a teenager? And I knew nothing about raising a teenager. And uh, I've raised two teenagers, and I still know very little about raising teenagers. But, you know, uh, the thing about it is we, we came up, and I felt like I had to have all the answers. And people would come, and I would give them answers, even though I may not be completely sure that that was the right answer. I told them exactly, and most of the time it was what I had been told. You know, I've been told this, so it must be true. I didn't always go back and check it. I didn't go do that because that's the way we've done it. That's the way he did it. That's the way they did it. So that must be the way they did it. And, and so over the years, the church has kind of become this thing where, where we have the answers and we give the answers. And sometimes we are so sure of that answer, 
and it may be right and it may not, but you know, we, we kind of have that. And so people come to church and, and, and so once you kind of go, come and, and, and you get into the, uh, you begin to get in the culture and the church culture, you start to learn the church language, uh, you know, those things, uh, you know, like in, in the world, um, if we don't know what we're doing, um, if you don't know what to say, um, uh, you know, in church, we say things like, praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, when you come, it's, it's the church vernacular. You know, we have those things. And so uh, you guys didn't go to the same church I did growing up, obviously. So, um, but you know, we, we, when you come and you begin to do that, then you begin to understand that, man, if I go to church, I've got to, I've got to act a certain way and I, I, I've, I've got to behave a certain way. And people begin to, uh, they, they, they begin to think this. And so they come to church. And let me tell you, having been, having been in church my entire life, having been in ministry, for half of my life, faking it is so hard to do, and it's so exhausting. And I came to the point a few years ago, about 10 years ago, that I said, you know what? I don't want to be fake. I'm going to be authentic. And if people don't like me because of it, then that's okay. If, if, if people don't like me, as long as, as long as God says that this is my word and this is beyond contestation, that this is my child, as long as I'm authentic in the eyes of God, that that's ready to be. So I, I know right now you're kind of confused, like, so what are, are you going to tell me to quit church? Or are you saying, do you want, you know, what, what are you trying to get at? We're talking about being authentic. The church should be a safe haven to be real instead of a place to be pressured to be perfect. The church is intended for us to be able to come together as one. Uh, if you go back to Ecclesia, the church is not a building. And, and you, you hear us preach that all the time because we don't, we don't have a building. The church is not a building. The church is a, is a gathering. The church is, is people that come together with one, with, with one common thread. And our common thread is to reach our community, to make a difference, to make disciples. And so when the church comes together to do this, it shouldn't be one where we feel like I have to come and try to become something that I'm not to do this. It needs to be a place that we come and say, here I am. These are the tools that I have. What can I do? If you come in, you know, I, I, I came in and said, look, I know how to, I, I, I know audiovisual stuff and I've been a worship leader since I was about 12 years old. So what can I do? You know, th these are the tools that I have. What can I do? And there are some of you that you came in, you know, you, you've come in and you said, hey, this is something I've got. What can I do? Hey, here's what I've got. What do I do? And that's what the church is, where we begin to come together. And our common goal is to make a difference in our community, to change and make disciples a better place and to give them the promise of the good news of Jesus Christ. Instead, over the years, and, and, and the reason that I'm a part of 2911 is because I, I didn't come here because they hired me because I wanted to be here. They didn't hire me. I, I, I chose this place. I chose to be a part of this because I saw something different here. And I saw the opportunity that, that I could come in and, 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 and we, could, we could be a part of something where I had to fake it, not where I had to be something different, but where I could come in and say, you know what? I know that I got these flaws. What can I do? How can I be a part? And Pastor Rick, I, I, I came to Pastor Rick and I said, hey, you know, I need a mentor. My mentor passed away. He lived in Florida. He's there. I need somebody to mentor me. And I came and I submitted under Pastor Rick and I said, you know, here are my flaws. Help me be better. And so the church, when we begin to come to that place that we, we get away from the fact that we feel like I have to come and fake it on Sunday morning and be perfect. I have to have all the answers. I have to know everything. Then that's where authenticity begins. In the book of Colossians, Paul is writing a letter to the Colossians, to the church at Colossae, and um, 
And what had happened is that uh, he had gone, he had planted this church, he had, been, uh, he, he, he had gone and, and held a revival, people had gotten saved, he started the church there, and he went away. And if you know, most of the New Testament, uh, Paul writes these letters back to the churches where he had planted and, and the people that he had helped start. And so he writes this to the Colossians, and here's what was going on. He had planted this church with the Colossians, and he had gone in and basically said, you know, they had accepted Jesus, he had gone in and, and they had done things, and he said, you know, Jesus said, these is beyond contestation, these guys are my people. And so they began to follow. Well, somewhere along the line, a teacher began to come in and began to tell them that, you know what, it's not enough to just, it's not enough to just accept Jesus. You also have to, and they began to give them a list of rules and a list of regulation, a list of things they needed to do. Much like the Pharisees had begun to do, that Jesus came and kind of said, you know what, you, you, guys are, you guys are getting away from the big picture here. And so, so Paul writes a letter to the Colossians, and so here's what I'm going to do. Colossians 1.12, I, well, what I want to tell you is being authentic Christian. The word Christian, uh, Andy Stanley preached a sermon, uh, a sermon series a few years ago, and, and it's one of my favorite sermon series of all time. It's talking about... Uh, he talks about Christian and talks about how the word Christian has such a negative connotation in so many places of the world because people go in under the guise of being Christian and they start orphanages and they start things that aren't very Christian. They're there to make money. They're there to take advantage of, of, of people giving and do that. And um, now there's some very good ones out there that we support and, and know that anything that Church 2011 supports uh, as a member of the board, we've looked at them, we've vetted them, we, we've gone and checked because we, we don't want that to happen. If you give through us, we make sure that it goes to places that are doing the right thing. But in so many places, the word Christian has become this. And so Andy Stanley talked about, you know, using the word disciple instead of Christian. And so, you know, what I want to talk about today is, is being authentic, being a disciple, being an authentic Christian. One of those that when people, when you use the word Christian out there and people go, ooh, and they start to kind of, you know, walk away from you. Being authentic is what we're looking for. And so one of the first characteristics of an authentic Christian is that they're marked with thankfulness and prayer. If your life is not marked with thankfulness and prayer, then, then, then you, may need to, you may need to ask yourself, am, am I really being authentic? Now you go back to that verse, Tommy. Uh, this is one of the verses where, where Paul wrote, thanking the Father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful that he has for us. Thanking, thanksgiving. Uh, what's that next verse right there? There's another Colossians verse. Let the people of Christ keep you in tune with each other and step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. This is the message. I love the Message Bible. Um, I, and, and I use it for my personal reading. Uh, I, I, I check other translations to make sure that it hadn't got too funky. So, but, but I like the message Bible because cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in our lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. Sing. Sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your life, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master Jesus, thanking God the Father, for every step of the way. You know, and, and so these are just two things. I could go on and on. Psalm 100, uh, you know, talks about coming to his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. We could go in all these places and talk about where, where the Bible says to be thankful, thankfulness, to, to, to appreciate, to go in to thank God, to bring thanksgiving. Uh, true, authentic Christians are marked with thankfulness in their lives. When we come to the place that, that when, when things happen to us, that we, we, we understand that this is a gift from God. I got a promotion at work. Yes, I may have worked hard, and yes, I may have done these things, but it was God who gave me the opportunity, God who gave me the drive, God who gave me this to do this, and I'm thankful to God for that. I have a wife. I have a beautiful wife, and of course, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a handsome guy, so why wouldn't I? But God gave me that beautiful wife and gave her, and, and I'm sure she's here somewhere, 
Um, Austria back then. And uh, it, she's the one giving me the dirty look back there. Um, God gave me this beautiful wife, and he gave her the ability to tone out all of my ridiculousness that I do all the time and, and these things. And I'm thankful for that. God gave me kids, and he gave me, he gave me a family, and he gave me all these things. And, and I have to understand that I am thankful for those things to God because I know that as God, when, when, when I go and, and I'm downtown and I see people that are sleeping under the overpass, I don't look and say, what a lazy person. I say, there but for the grace of God go I. I am thankful that God gave me people in my life who helped me from making really stupid decisions or who, when I tried to make a stupid decision, smacked me in the back of the head, so I changed my decision. I am thankful for these things. That's what authentic Christianity is all about. It's about that, and it's also about prayer. Paul, Paul talks about pray diligently, stay alert with your eyes wide open in gratitude. Even here, he throws the thankfulness thing back in with gratitude. Pray diligently, stay alert. The next verse. Uh, Paphras, who is one of you, says hello. What a trooper he has been. He's been tireless in his prayers for you, praying that you'll stand firm, mature and confident in everything God wants you to do. Everything that Paul is writing in this Colossians, he's writing to these guys, and, and, and he's correcting some of the false teaching that's been given to them, that all these other things, and, and, and he's writing the first thing, and his first point is, you know what? Be thankful and pray. Be thankful and pray. Pray for one another. Pray, for, pray to God for your needs. Pray for one another. Be thankful for the things that God has given you. And one of the things that people see when they call Christians, the first time that, the, the first time problems come in our life, we, we're all great. You know, we, we, have that, um, we have that tag, too blessed to be stressed. You know, <laughs> you know uh, uh, we, we've got these things, you know, that we're good. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Except when, except when, I get to work on Friday, and they tell me that, hey, we don't have the money to pay you this week. It's going to be next week before we can pay you. All of a sudden, I'm too stressed to be blessed. <laughs> you know, or, or, or we have these things where all of a sudden, it gets the first, you know, the, the first warm day of the year that you really need to turn an air conditioner on. You turn it on, and it's not blowing cold air. <laughs> and you call, and it's not just the little fuse that it was a couple years ago. It's the compressor that needs replacing. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm not, so, I'm not so blessed anymore. All of a sudden, you know, uh, God is not so good all the time anymore. And, and, and that kind of becomes our attitude, and we do that, and people see it. And we go to work, and things happen. And instead of saying, you know what, that's okay, because I don't work for this boss. I work for God. God just pays this boss to pay me. Instead, we begin to talk bad about that boss and say, you know what, if this jerk that's running this company were any better, then I wouldn't be in this situation. You know what, if, if, if this person did that, and instead of being thankfulness and knowing it, you know what, that's okay because I know that God, I know that God could do that. My mom, uh, my mom had a verse that she, she told me all, all through my life. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good of them that love him and are called according to his purpose. I was so sick and tired of hearing that verse when I was a kid. That's what she, every time something bad happened in my life, all things work together for the good of them that love him and are called according to his purpose. Shut up. <laughs> That's not what I want to hear right now. I want to be mad. But can I tell you that as I grew, God, she planted that seed and she watered it and, and, and she stayed on top of it and it grew. And, and, and uh, I, was a, I was a senior in high school and I tried out for, uh, I, I, I tried out to be the, um, uh, my mind is going blank, uh, the drum major for, for our band. And uh, uh, I, was either, I was either first chair trumpet or I was going to be drum major, one of the two. And so I tried out for drum major, and uh, it was between me and another person, and they decided to give it to the person. Um, they said, you know, this person was a little bit better. And, and rather than be disappointed, I could remember 
that my pastor's wife said, how did you do? And I said, you know what? Uh, I didn't get it, but it's okay because all things work together. So God must have something else for me to do, you know, because I like to sing and out there yelling all the time. It may mess up my throat. And so that's okay. And so years later, this pastor's wife wrote me a letter. Ruth Lambert wrote me a letter. And she said, she said, I, I, I'll never forget this. And she, and she talked about that because it's because my mom planted that in there and she raised it and I knew that all things work together. And so now when things begin to happen and rain falls in my life and all these terrible things go because I had godly people in there, I'm thankful for that because I can say I understand that things work together for my good because I love God with all my heart and I know that I'm called according to his purpose. And therefore, I know things are going to be okay. That's what authenticity looks like. Authenticity, and I'm not telling you I got it all figured out because my wife will be more than happy if you got a few hours to tell you how I don't have it all figured out. But you see, being authentic is, is, is not having all the answers. Being authentic is not walking around all the time saying, well, praise God. It's not when you try to jump up on the stage and fall down that you get up and say, well, okay, you know, God, thank God that I fell right there. No, it's getting up and saying, wow, I'm an idiot. That's <laughs> okay. Thank God I didn't break my neck. You know, it's it's understanding that my life is marked with thankfulness, that there are things in my life that I'm thankful for, and praying that God will give me the discernment to know the difference of the thing that I should be thankful for and the thing that I should get away from. Our life, being an authentic Christian, is not having all of the answers. The world is looking for someone who, when things go wrong, says, you know what? I don't know, but I can find somebody that does. When people come and they try to throw a scripture at me, I'd like to tell you I have every scripture memorized front to back. I would be lying. I don't. I know a lot of them, but I don't know all of them. But you know what? I can find it. And so, and that's when people come and they say, well, I heard the Bible says this. The Bible says cleanliness is next to godliness. Does it not? Actually, it does not. That's not, that's not in the Bible. Uh, but we have things like that that we like to throw out there. And so I can say, you know what? I don't know for sure. I can find out. I know somebody that I can call. I know something we can do. Being authentic is understanding that, you know what, I am thankful to God for the things in my life, and I pray to God to help me know those things that I don't know yet. Being authentic is what, is what it's talked about. The next mark of an authentic Christian is understanding the gospel of Jesus. Now, the gospel, and, and, and I know some of you guys are like, well, everybody knows that. Well, you'd be surprised. Uh, throw this, the, the next slide up there. The gospel means good news. Is that not the next slide? There we go. Gospel means good news. We should not just throw around Christian jargon without considering its meaning. This is not scripture, by the way. This is just, uh, it, without considering its meaning. The, the Christian message is not primarily, an, is, is primarily, not primarily an ethical or moral code, but rather good news to those who deserve God's judgment. You see, somewhere, again, somewhere along the line, Christian became to mean and, and, and our primary message became to be that we have to give up this and not do this and not do this. I remember as a kid, uh, one of my pastors, he said, you know, he, he was interviewed one time with someone else. They had some pastors and they were interviewing him. They, they asked, you know, these young ministers and they asked one of them, you know, well, well, what does your church believe? Well, we don't believe in this and we don't believe, we don't believe in drinking. We don't believe in, in, in smoking. We don't believe in this and we don't believe in that. We don't believe in dancing. We don't believe in going to the theater. Um, and so, you know, he got to my pastor and he said, well, is there anything you actually believe in? Anything that you don't believe in? You see, we, we kind of become to that thing where we know what we don't believe in, but we're not exactly sure what we really believe in. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the very foundation that everything that we do and know is built on. 
And that is the good news that we deserve the judgment of God, that we deserve the wrath of God. And yet we have been spared that because he paid the sacrifice, his son, and instead has given us life and life more abundantly. Philip Yancey is a, Philip Yancey is a, he's a great, great author. He's written great books like The Jesus I Never Knew. Uh, I have a friend whose sister came to know Jesus directly from reading that book. She was an intellectual and she didn't do it. It's a great book. Uh, he's got one, What's, What's So Special About Grace? And, and he says, in short, the West is becoming increasingly post-Christian. We need to adjust our approach because the good news no longer sounds like good news. The good news of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus no longer sounds like good news. It's no longer that, you know what, I have good news for you this morning. The good news is you don't have to be fake. The good news is you don't have to face the judgment. The good news is you don't have to get what you deserve. The good news is that God has given you the gift of life. The good news is that God has given you forgiveness, that God has given you peace, that God has given you freedom. The good news no longer sounds like the good news. Now, I want to take a minute right here to explain something because we live in a culture of extremes, okay? We, we, we live in this culture where the pendulum is one side or the other. When I say that the good, the good news no longer sounds like the good news, there are two trains of thought that go to these two extremes. One is, well, bless God, brother. The good news is not, these people need to know that it's not just about receiving Jesus. You can't just live like the devil. You, gotta, you can't go to heaven living like the devil. You've got to do this and this and this and this too. And there's merit to that. The other side of that is that, you know what, man? We're in freedom, brother. The Bible says that there is no condemnation in Jesus, man. So I can, I can do whatever I want to do, man. Because God created everything. God created the herbs, man. And we can do whatever it is that we need to do, man. These are the two extremes. That is not where authentic, the authenticity of Jesus lies in those extremes, okay? The authentic comes back in the middle, man, where we're kind of here, where it says that I understand that I have freedom to choose. But God gave me common sense to choose what I need to choose. And so authentic Christian means that I understand that God has given me freedom. God has set me free, that I'm no longer a slave to fear. I don't have to fear everything, but I also don't have to go out and pick up poisonous snakes, okay? Now, if like, if like the Apostle Paul, I'm gathering firewood and one bites me, I believe that God can, God, I can shake it off in the fire and not see the, 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 the negative effects of that snake bite. But God hath not called me to take up a poisonous serpent. And the day that he does is the day that he and I have a serious conversation about our relationship. Okay? In short, the West is becoming this gospel. See, here's, here's the thing about the good news. In order to fully appreciate good news, you have to understand the bad news. When people call and they say, I've got good news and I've got bad news, you know, or, or they say, well, you know, I got good news for you. The good news is fixing your air conditioning is only going to be $1,200. I don't see any good news in that. When he begins to explain that, well, you see, it could cost you $2,400 because it did do this and this and this, but it's only going to be $1,200, I understand a little bit better. I still question his idea of good news, but it's, it's more like not so bad news. But you see, in order to stand the good news of Jesus, 
we have to understand the bad news. Gospel means good news. We should, oh, that's the, I'm sorry, go to the next one. To understand the good news, we first must understand the bad news. We all have sinned and deserve God's righteous judgment. We stand before God guilty and condemned, and we cannot save ourselves. That's why we need a Savior. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, we need a Savior. The bad news is that I'm a sinner. I have, I, I, I am by nature, I have sin nature in my life. And by nature, given my own devices, I'm not always going to make the right decision. I'm not always going to make the proper choice. That's the bad news. The good news is that I am God's child beyond contestation. And I know that I can, I have a God that loves me. And I have a God that gave himself so that I could have life. The bad news is that if I choose to reject that life, then I will be separated from that God. The good news is that should I choose to receive it, that I can have a life more abundantly. Now, that life more abundantly is not always, that doesn't always mean that my air condition never breaks. It doesn't mean that my children never stray from God. It doesn't mean that things in my life don't always go on. It doesn't mean that I don't lose people in my life that I love very much. It doesn't mean that I don't go through situations where everything seems to be caving in. But it means that I never have to go through those situations by myself. Authentic Christianity is marked by thankfulness and prayer, but it's also marked, it's also marked by the fact that I understand the good news of Jesus Christ. I can, have, I can have compassion on others because I understand that God had compassion on me. As perfect as I like to think that I am sometimes, God gave me a gift to remind me that I'm not. That was funny. You can laugh at that. It's okay. That's what spouses are for, to let you know that you're not perfect. I understand that I need Jesus. And the good news is that God has made a way. The third thing is that authentic Christians are marked with love. Now this is the, this is again the thing, you know, they're, they're, they're the extremes out there. You know, you have the tough love and you have the anything goes love. You know, the, the really tough love and the anything goes love. I'm going to beat you into submission or I'm going to let you choose your own way because you'll eventually come back to it if I love you enough. You know, and somewhere in the middle, is where God finds us. Because God, God doesn't beat me into submission, but God does thump me on the back of the head sometimes and say, you need to get back over here. God doesn't let me do any. He, he, he gives me free will, but God places things in my life to help me. He road markers that help me understand that if I, I, I need to do something, I can't choose any path that I choose. All roads do not lead to heaven. He says that narrow is the way and straight is the path. No one comes to the Father except through me, is what Jesus said. And so, but love means that, that I understand this. I, I, I like to use this, this illustration a lot. So if you've heard this before, I apologize. When I go to the doctor, the first conversation, that we, I, I've gotten to that age in my life that I have to go to the doctor like every six months. You know, when, in my 20s and early 30s, I never went to the doctor, you know, because I was, I was never sick. I was in good health. You know, once you get past your mid-40s, you, you have to go to the doctor more often. And the first conversation we always have is, I see your weight is up or down. Preferably down, usually up. And he says, uh, he says okay, I see your weight here that you've lost two pounds. If, if, if the conversation is, I see you've lost two pounds over the last six months, 
That's pretty good, but I'd like to see you lose, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see you lose more. Or if it's, I see you gained two pounds over the last six months, man, we can't have that. You've got to lose weight. You've got to do this. Now, there are two ways that this conversation can go. This conversation could be, good Lord, you are fat. <laughs> have mercy, son. I, be careful sitting on that table. I don't, want, I don't want you to break the thing. In which case, I'm probably going to find another doctor. Or he can say, Mr. Robinson, because of your family history of heart disease, because you have diabetes, because of these things right here, you're really to lose weight. Man, you talk about your family, and you, you know, you got, how many kids have you got? If you want to stay around to see your grandkids and you want to stay around to do this kind of thing, then you need to lose some weight because that's the only way I can guarantee you. He told me one time, he said, it's not a matter of if you're going to have heart problems, it's a matter of when, just due to your family history. And so when he tells me in ways like that, I can't really get mad at that guy because I feel like this guy cares enough to know that if I want to live to see this, then I need to do this. Now, there are some people that don't understand that. They need that, good Lord, you're fat kind of thing, you know, it's for, for them to grasp that. Love is when we know that we have the answer that they need. And I go and I do everything that I can do to the highways and pieways to compel them in. When we're marked with love, we begin to love one another and we have the love of Jesus, that I take the good news of Jesus out there. My love is tempered through Jesus. Are you guys picking up where I'm going with this? Sometimes we, sometimes we take the hammer approach to love when the honey approach to love works better. And sometimes we want to stick with the honey approach when we need to take the small hammer and kind of, you know, thump them on the, on the head a little bit so they get their attention. But you see, that comes through understanding that authentic Christianity means that I have invested in people's lives so that they can understand that. I told you guys, you know, Micah and, and, and Hannah, I've been working with these guys and, and Christian, you know, and, and, and preparing them and, and helping mentor them for this. When we sit in those mentor sessions, the very first one, I wasn't mean. Uh, well, Hannah may think differently, but I wasn't, I wasn't mean. You know, the first one started out, you know, I, because I began to sow in and I began to, I began to tell them, this is what you're doing right. This is what I see that this is the potential that I see. This is what we can do. As it went on, I can say things to them now, two or three years later that I couldn't say three years ago. I can tell Micah or Hannah or Christian, dude, you, your pitch was, your pitch was off this morning, you know, or Hey, uh, when I sing a song, Hey, this right here, I hear this. That sounds bad, dude. Or, you know, that you, you need to fit. And dude is a unisex term. I call Hannah dude too. So don't think, but, um, I think I'm talking about one or the other. Uh, and, 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 you know, but because I sowed, I sowed into their life, they understand now that when I say that sounds bad, they don't get nearly as offended as they did, would have three years ago. And you see, being an authentic Christian means that I begin to sow into those people that are around me that I work with every day. These people that are in clubs and in musicians that are in other areas that are so far outside of the realm that I could have reached when I was on staff at a church are the people that I have the opportunity to sow into their lives now and speak to them. If I take the first opportunity that I have to begin to tell them what a vile, disgusting sinner that they are, 
they're probably not going to hear anything else that I say from that moment forward. But when I began to build a relationship and I start to get phone calls and texts from these guys that says, listen, I don't really believe in prayer, but this is going on. Can you pray for me at church? Hey, I, I, I don't, re- you know, I, I know I don't believe everything you believe. There's just something about you. Can I talk to you about this problem? Then I can be Jesus at that point. I can be Jesus in a Jeff suit to this person at that point. Because it doesn't just happen. It takes sowing in and begin to do those things. We're marked with love. Some of that first verse up there. Ephesians, this is uh, Paul writing to the, to the church at Ephesus. That's why when I heard of the solid trust you have in the Master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the Christians, I couldn't stop thanking God for you every time I prayed. I'd think of you and give thanks. He's writing to them. One of the great things was the fact that they loved and they received this, the, 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 the Christians, the, 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 fellow, the fellow believers. They loved them. They didn't wait to tear them down. They didn't wait to do those things. What's the next verse? Thessalonians 4, 6 and I, don't run roughshod over the concerns of your brothers and sisters. Their concerns are God concerns and he'll take care of them. We've warned you about this before. God hasn't invited us into a disorderly, unkempt life, but into something holy and beautiful, as beautiful on the inside as the outside. If you disregard this advice, you're not offending your neighbor. You're rejecting God who is making you a gift of his Holy Spirit. Regarding life together and getting along with each other, you don't need me to tell you what to do. You're God taught in these matters. Just love one another. You know, one of the, one of the other earmarks about the church that the world can't stand is the fact that we love to tear one another down. We like to, we like to have, you know, well, that church, you know, I, I don't want to talk about people, but that church, blah, 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 blah. That preacher right there on the right, I tell you what, I can't stand that preacher because he does, because he's not, he's not tough on sin. This preacher over here, I can't stand him. He's too hard on sin. He wants to preach every week on this. I need to be uplifted every once in a while. This guy, we like to tear these people down. We go in and we do these things. And, and sometimes, you know, we even do it here sometimes. I'll be glad when Rick gets back so that, so that fruity idiot is not going to be up there telling me how I need to love people all the time. I know, man, I'll be glad when Pastor Rick's gone so maybe somebody else can talk. Hey, you know, I like it when Brent talks. Oh, I don't like it when we put somebody. You know, and, and we like to do these things because that's our human nature. But Jesus tells, or Paul is writing to the Thessalonians and, and he, says, he says, you know, you need to just love each other. I don't need to tell you what to do. You're God taught in this matter. Just love each other. Love one another. The Bible says that they'll know we are his disciples by the love that we have one for another. Jesus said that if you can't love your brother that you can see, how can you possibly love God that you can't see? You see, one of the things, and, and this is probably the most important aspect that, that the world sees in what they, what they think is Christianity, and it turns them off, is the fact that you say you have a gospel of peace and a gospel of love, and yet you talk about one another and tear one another down relentlessly. And if that's what being a Christian is about, I don't want it. We were, uh, we were talking, I, I, was, I was meeting with Hannah and Micah and uh, Christian the other night, and we, and we were talking about, and we were talking about uh, a, worship, a worship leader at one of the big churches that we do a lot of their music and we like, and one of the musicians there had left, 
And they were talking about the fact that he had, this particular person had been outspoken during the last election about one of the candidates. And, um, and so they had parted shortly thereafter because obviously there was some disagreement there. And, um, <clears throat> and I told these guys, I said, you know, as when you are a minister of Jesus, and, and here's the, I, I, need, I need you guys to understand, a minister is not just the people that come up here and, and, and we give ordination papers to. A minister is not just people who stand on stage and preach or stand on stage and lead. Ministers are people who minister to one to another. Let me tell you the cool thing. Here's what the staff, you want to know why we can have service today with none of the staff here? It's because the staff is given to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. And so the saints are doing the work of ministry today, and the staff is having opportunity to go somewhere else and to, and to study and to do some other things today. Ministers are each and every one of you who claim to be an authentic Christian. And so when we begin to minister, and I told these guys, I said, as a minister, you have to be careful the things that we get so, we get so violently upset about on Facebook and on social media because we have to understand that I am trying to pour into these people's lives. I am trying to reach out to these people with the love of Jesus Christ. And when I begin to post things with such vehement uh, authority, now, you guys, if, if you've heard me preach ever before, you understand I have three lists, things that are worth dying over, things that are worth fighting over, and everything else. There are things that are worth dying over that I, I, I need to be right about because these are things that, that are worth dying over. And I will offend you, and I will risk losing you out of my life because these are things that are non-negotiable. The fact that Jesus Christ died and rose again and paid for my salvation is non-negotiable for me. And if you and I don't agree on that, I can still be your friend, but you and I just can't agree because that's not an agree-to-disagree sort of thing. You're wrong. I mean, that, that's where I am. There are things that are worth fighting over. There are things that I firmly believe in life, but I understand that, you know, I'm not so right that I'm worth cutting you out of my life over, but I feel pretty strongly about it, and I'm willing to, I'm willing to have dialogue and fight with you about it. And the third list is everything else, and it really doesn't matter. And so if it doesn't fall on one of those two things, that doesn't matter. And so I have to be careful. I have to be careful in my life. And because I was mentoring these guys, I'm telling them. And so I'm just sharing this with you today. I'm not, I'm not challenging you. I'm not telling you. I'm simply giving you this advice that I gave to them. We have to be careful as ministers of Jesus Christ. Because when we take a stance and we decide that this is absolute truth, then we have to understand that there are people out there that you will not be able to minister to from that moment forward because they're going to decide that you are wrong and you are hateful and you're a hypocrite and they can't do anything else with you. If you're right, that's not a problem because God will, God will, will throw somebody else in their life and God will make a way and God will reach them however it is that they need to be reached. But you better make sure that you are authentic about that and that decision carries over to every aspect of everything. I'm a I believe in pro-life, and this is just this has this is not the church, this is not pastors, and anything else. But for me, pro-life is not just about unborn children. I believe that pro-life means that I care about life. I care about children in other countries that are starving to death every day, they're being taken advantage of. Pro-life means that I care about people, their children and teenagers that are being abducted and sold into the sex slave industry. That I care about other people that are around. That I care about life. 
I care that people are dying every day because they don't have enough food to eat. And yet, I consider myself poor because I only have a house that's only 1,200 square feet. Or I only have two or three cars. Or I only have, you know, my car is, I don't have a new car. I've got, and yet there are people around the world that, that they walk everywhere that they go miles and miles and miles a day. They have to steal or otherwise their family will not eat today. That's what being pro-life for me is about. That I am pro-life in every aspect and I want to be so authentic that people can't say, you're not pro-life. Pro-life is only whenever it comes to this. If I'm pro-life, then I want to be the fact that when, when, when somebody comes to me and they say, my daughter is pregnant and we don't know what else to do and I'm going to tell her that she needs to get rid of the baby, that my first reaction is, let me have it. I'll take the baby. You see, if I'm pro-life, then for me, that means that I have to be able to sacrifice because I am pro-life and I, it means so much to me that I want to be so authentic that I'll take care of it. I'm not telling you that you have to do that. or you could. I'm, I, I'm giving you a glimpse of, 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 of what God's struggle, the struggle that I have in my heart with it. People are looking for authentic Christians that stand up and they say, this is what I believe, and I'm going to do this. There's a, there's a phrase that you guys have probably heard. Sincerity is the key to success. If you can fake that, you've got it made. That's a joke because you can't fake sincerity. <laughs> you see, that's the way the world looks at it. And that's kind of the way that, that, that we begin to think. Paul has a, there's a verse in Romans where it says, don't be so, uh, so comfortable in your culture that you begin to turn away from the ways of God. You begin to, fit, you begin to forget the things of God. And we, we become so comfortable that, that we kind of adopt this too, you know, that we can fake sincerity. I can stand... And as you begin to tell me about your problems, that even though they bore me and they don't concern me, I can put a smile on my face and shake it. I'll pray for you, brother. You see, that's not, what, that's not what being authentic is about. Being authentic is that when you tell me your problem, that I can tell you, if I say, I'm going to pray for you. Mia and I will make this a matter of prayer for us. That I actually go home and pray about it, that I don't say that and it goes off and I don't ever think about it again. That I can tell you if you tell me you have a problem that I don't say, oh man, that's terrible. But I say, hey, you know what? I've been through that and here's what, or you know what? I know somebody that can help with that. Or I'll pray for you because I have no idea what to do. Being authentic. You see, the world is, the world is looking for authenticity. Jesus, Jesus called us to be salt and light. He called us to make a difference, to change our culture. God wants us, when I was a youth pastor, I used to say that God wants us to be, <laughs> God wants us to be thermostats, not thermometers. Thermometers just tell you the temperature, but thermostats set the temperature. That's good, man. You guys should laugh or something about that. I, you know, my teenagers used to like that. But here's the deal. God has called us to be salt and light. He's called us to affect the, uh, the atmosphere, the community that we're in. And the only way that we can do that is if we quit trying to be something that we're not. That we quit trying to walk around like we have all the answers. That we have all of the, we have everything figured out and, and I don't have problems. The fact, of the, the fact of the matter is this, my wife and I argue from time to time. 
Okay, I, I know that's going to shatter, you know, all of the, the marriage mentors that, that I have an opportunity to run and I do that, that's going to shatter your image. But my wife and I don't always agree on everything. I am sometimes wrong. <laughs> now you laugh. <laughs> you know, I make mistakes and, 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 and I do things and, and we have those. And, and, and that's what being real is about, that people understand that, you know what, I don't have all the answers and I don't pretend to. But I know Jesus, and this is what it does for me. So here's what we're going to do today. I want to invite you to, we're going to close around the front. You were hoping we wouldn't since Rick was, but Rick's not here. But we are, we're going to close around the front like we always do. The worship team's going to come, and they're going to do one last song. So if you would stand with me and begin to make your way down here. This is not, we're not doing anything. Um, I'm not going to have them lock the doors until you sign a commitment form to be authentic this morning. We're not going to. I'm not going to ask you if your life is marked by love and thankfulness and, 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 and uh, love for other people. We're simply going to give you an opportunity because there are some of you here this morning that you fit in that very first thing I mentioned. You are one of those people who said, man, I can't, I, I'm too tired to fake it. I didn't want to come this morning, but I came. <laughs> this, is, this is the break. I didn't want to come this morning, but I came because I didn't want people telling Pastor Rick I wasn't here because he wasn't here. I came this morning because I didn't want people to think bad about me because I didn't come on the holiday. I choose to be faithful to my wife, not because I'm scared of her, and I am. I choose to be faithful to my wife because I'm in love with her. And when we come to that place with Jesus that we understand that I choose to serve God. There are things that I don't do because it will break God's heart. Not because I'm afraid that God's going to strike me dead. Not because I'm afraid that, that um, growing up, I grew up in a Pentecostal thing, and I was afraid that when I sinned, that the trumpet was going to sound the next instant, and I wasn't going to heaven. I was going to be left behind. And let me tell you what, the movies that we saw left behind are not like the ones they've got out now. You know, there was the, they were scary. But it's not about being left behind. It's about, I'm in love with Jesus. Just like I'm in love with my wife, and so therefore, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna flirt with other women, I'm not gonna do, plus, you know, I'm old and they don't want that, but, you know, <laughs> I'm in love with my wife, and I'm not gonna do things that would hurt her because I'm in love with her. I'm in love with Jesus, and I'm going to live my life in such a way that brings pleasure to his heart. Not that... Not that makes him suffer even more. So this morning, if you're here, these guys are fixing to start. There are people down here that they've prayed this week and they've prepared. Russ this morning, he, he, he shared, you know, man, this is something God's been laying on my heart this week. And it's, man, I love that when people came in and they said, because you know what? That means he's been praying and thinking about this stuff this week. And there are guys up here, they're doing that. So if you have a need this morning, maybe, maybe you're here and you're like, you know what? I've been exactly what, I am where you're talking about. I'm tired of faking it. I've decided that maybe this was my, I've given it one more shot. If that's you this morning, there are people here that want to pray with you. If you have an issue in your life that is, that is so strong and you're afraid, you've been afraid to tell anybody at church because you don't want people to think that you don't have it all figured out. None of us have it all figured out. And there are people here that want to pray with you about it. So this morning I challenge you challenge you to search your heart.
and to leave here today and to think, 